the high elf frequency. So I've talked recently about Lord of the Rings in relation to spiritual awakening that Frodo is in effect somewhat like a full energy. The hobbits are pure hearted and that's why they're able to subdue the will of the ring. That Aragorn is somewhat the warrior and the king energy. He's in a transition phase, phase or, or kind of a, in effect an integration of divinity. But there's also between the two, the, the fool, the child, and the warrior king, something we can relate to in our own society. There's some helpers on this journey to step in our own power. And particularly for me, having gone through a spiritual awakening, you may also be in this situation. There is this space where when we go into the awakening, we seem to go back to the child. We, we become open-hearted again. And you see that portrayed in the movies and in the books by Tolkien, where, and I think the power of this is because he's tapped into something. It's a, it's a code in our culture, an ascension code of awakening in effect. That the ability to go into the heart, the inner child, is what transcends the conditionality, the duality. And what in effect happens in the books and the movies, you see this close kinship relationship between Frodo and Bilbo, who's in effect an older version of Frodo, a double, but a much older and, and a fellow ring bearer. And Gandalf, the magician, who's similarly full-hearted. So there's this parity between the fool and the magician, and even the warrior, Aragorn, and the king that he will become as a lesser. But to integrate to that phase, they need a lot of assistance on the awakening journey, a lot of helpers. And what I've been talking about recently with that, and why I feel it's important more than just purely going on fanboy, fan element on a lot of the rings, is you get to this point on the awakening journey where I guess in effect transcending the spiritual ego where you've had this hard opening experience and and you can perceive the oneness in everything and everyone and this is what happened to me on the Camino de Santiago but at the same time on the Camino de Santiago as I began to experience this and then continually integrated as I had been here at La Trobe and over the last few years you perceive all the helpers on that journey, all the different type of helpers to step into that frequency. And what you discover in effect is that everybody is living in, in effect on a frequency of how much unconditional love they have in their heart. So the dwarf frequency, and I've, it's, <laughs> I did, I had this initial idea a few weeks ago, and there's been this reluctance to talk about it, but I was almost going to term it don't be a don't be a dwarf don't be an orc and it's yeah it's it felt a little bit overly critical but you know and we either talk about small man syndrome and it's easy to say that um without hopefully offending a lot of people but i i can relate to that in my own reality where you see it with pets and animals it's normally the, the dog that's the smallest it's the most frightened usually barks the loudest and the dwarf orc frequency seems to be somewhat of a, a fighting warrior frequency. Like Aragorn is a, a warrior, he's a fighter. It's a frequency of awareness and of conditional worth. And as I talked about in an earlier episode with the scale of consciousness, 
it's someone up above pride and courage, but it's only not even halfway up the scale of consciousness. It's a limited perspective of reality. And so, ironically, it also magnetically attracts situations to fight, to be, yeah, to need to prove worth for or towards. So that warrior frequency is, is really challenging because although it can prove worth, and it, it does in some way validate conditional self-worth, it might sound almost counterintuitive, but you, if you actually subdue the will, you give your will away to the Nagual, or the sorcerer, the, the teacher, the magician, Gandalf, and you instead follow your heart, you actually transcend the need to fight anything. And I think that's why it's really important to understand this, and perhaps I'll need to, to talk about it in greater detail. There is, yeah, my concluding chapter on the, the island of archetypes in yeah, Integrated the Power of Prosperity kind of brushes over this a little bit, but it'll be important to read the whole book along with Be Prosperity Conscious to understand how archetypes and energies affect the way we operate. But is it the archetype or is it the heart that creates the archetype? And I feel that's part of the point, isn't it? That when we look at the dwarf or the orc frequency, and we see the way they act, they behave, it isn't not really on how much love they, they cannot access in their heart that governs their actions. The same thing with, again, the warrior energy of Boromir and Aragorn. For people that don't know Lord of the Rings that well, uh, Boromir, played by Sean Bean, is another, in effect, a prince of men. He's connected to Midas Tirith. Uh, his father's a custodian of the, of the land, in effect. And Aragon is somewhat of this possible rival to that because he represents uh, an ancient lineage of kingship. So already Boromir, when he arrives at Rivendell and he meets with Aron and the rest of the fellowship, he does have this desire to serve the land, but he's really at the halfway scale of scale of conscious where it can go either way. He is obviously a successful warrior. He's there good at proving conditional worth. He's risen and he has achievements behind him. But if he's to be continually preoccupied with the achievements, the will, that's get conditional will, that will be ultimately what enslaves him. And that's why he can't hold the ring. He, and when the ring, in effect, is in his possession or near him, it's ultimately, it enhances the conditional self. It's a space of ego where he's always needing to look for more. And it's, that's where the, the power of the ring is. It's ultimately a metaphor for the ego. It's a metaphor for lack of our own divinity. It's this need to prove worth through doing and actions of achievements rather than accepting the unconditional worth within. So Boromir is in this interesting space that he's someone of the peer of Aragon. He also has an ancient lineage. He even is distantly related to the elves, which I'll get on to shortly. But Throne ultimately, despite being half the size of Boromir, not being able to fight anywhere near as well as Gimli the Dwarf or Legolas, Boromir or Aragorn, he's a much better candidate to hold the ring, the metaphorical humanity ring, the conditional self ring, than Boromir, because he has subdued the will. And this is something also that is talked about in a lot of traditional 
not just Western teachings, but in fact the yogi teachings of the East as well, where the student, from what I gather, often when they're on that journey, they they are required to have a teacher or a yogi. That's their belief anyway. I think I personally believe teachers arrive into our reality where we live in. But it is a yogi not also as an aspect of that. And I also not benefit from learning the teachings of many yogis, certainly. But what the, the, the metaphor with this is, particularly for Gandalf and Throdon Bilbo, you see that very early in the movie of the Fellowship. When you have the teacher who ultimately embodies divinity, as Gandalf does, as a Maya, you could surrender the, any aspect of will to trust in that journey. But it's a lot easier to surrender the will when you've already had this glimpse of awakening or deep connection to the land, like the hobbits, less of the need to prove worth. There's a wisdom, but the wisdom is based on the heart connection. So this is where we get at with the elves, and particularly Legolas and Elrond, are two of the main male figures connected to the Fellowship. Legolas comes from the Sylvan Sindar realm and his father's Thranduil, and there's a lot of ancient lineage with the elves and even Alron, who is where, who is, um, manages in Rimmendale, and where all the elves and the dwarves ought to be, well, not just the dwarves, men also, the Fellowship gathers before they leave to take the ring. Alron is connected to the Sylvan realm. He's connected to Legolas, he's related to that family, as he's also related to Galadriel. He's related to all the connecting elves, but he's also a half-elven. And that's what makes Elrond unique, that he sees reality from the perspective of men, and in effect dwarves, but also elves. So he does have a vested interest in the fellowship and wanted to assist everybody on this awakening journey. In effect, he is like a Gandalf, who is an emissary of the Valar, of the divinity in effect. Gandalf has been sent to Middle-earth to assist humanity and the elves in their awakening journey in effect. And I say humanity and the elves, the hobbits probably fall halfway between both. They actually had the pointed ears like the elves, but they're, they're called halflings, half men. So they are connected. So Gandalf is that, that teacher, that yogi, He's, there is a resource for, for people who would subdue their will. But the difficulty with men and dwarves, in effect, is that they're proud. But some of that pride comes from a space of lack rather than embodiment or courage. And that is, is again connected with the scale of consciousness where the elves can also be des described as proud. And you see that at times, Legolas in the movie. But pride, what does it really represent? It's an interesting one for me, when you again talk about this current unconscious. Pride can be a driver of action, can't it? If we have a specific goal we want to accomplish, at the surface level, or at least initially, we, we need to perceive that there's going to be some outcome in that goal. And ultimately, most of the goals tend to be hard-driven, divine-driven. But at the surface level where we're encouraged to prove worth through achievement, and whether that be academic or sporting or, or career or relationship goals, a lot of that's affected by external perception, external noise. And 
while they might be harmonious to the heart, the heart is wanting a relationship partner. It's wanting to feel more worthy. It's wanting to have a lovely home. If the goals are based on the external, it's always good to bring in the element of pride because the pride implies how, what we've achieved compared to another. At the same time, if there wasn't some self-respect or self-worth, divine self-worth, <laughs> maybe there would be this, this drive forwards to create, to actually expand the universe. So pride for me it has this double-edged perspective. If I didn't have the desire, which in effect is somewhat connected to pride, but desire also means desire. Sire is to give birth. A desire is to not yet have given birth. It's not here. Sire is birthed. So to be desiring something, to look for something, like Boromir, to need the ring to prove his, his worth, is ultimately to be in that space of pride lack. So the other side of pride is often lack. And this is where the elders seem to be, I think, misunderstood. Is that Legolas could, because he's so focused and composed, and you see it also with Elrond, they could give off the perspective of being never proud. They don't play games. They don't false flatter. They're very focused on the moment. They dress well. They generally appear quite formal. They're very economical and efficient with their movements. They have a, an abundance consciousness, in effect. But that, that consciousness is only necessarily deemed as proud, usually for people that hold the pride or the lack within, the drawers of the orcs. The people that respect the owl's heart orientation, their own inner divinity, that they don't need to question their worth. It's a natural emanation of divinity. They don't project that pride story. And it's a similar thing I feel in reality and the awakening journey and consciously changing our reality. It's often it's easy to, and I've been guilty of this, so in fact, sometimes we can feel really threatened by people who are very confident. And there's a difference between confidence and pride, isn't there? What seems to be more threatening is when we hold this sense of lack in our being and we see someone who's naturally confident in who they are and they're not basing their confidence on achievement. That can be quite threatening to an ego or someone who's wanting to, to prove worth like Boromir. It's going to trigger them, isn't it? But at the same time, this is the problem. If that person therefore tries to bring their, their confidence down, if they try to relate to that person, they try, they're not really being their authentic self either. So what I'm getting at with elves and, and Legolas is connected with that, but he's probably more of the warrior, the Sindar warrior elf frequency. There's still, particularly in that relationship with the dwarves and men, there's still someone of that need to fight. And that's why he's manifested that. Elrond is a high elf and Galadriel in the movies more than the recent series, which is, she's somewhat more of the warrior like Legolas. She's definitely trying to prove the fight. Elrond isn't trying to be anything other than himself. And that's kind of threatening to people that don't necessarily understand why he unconditionally lovingly accepts himself. It can be a trigger to people that don't feel the same.
But at the same time, he's in abundance. He's in prosperity. He's respected by people that honour their heart's calling and are drawn to his heart wisdom. So this is it really on that awakening journey that for me, I like to draw the metaphor that yes, the fool was like Frodo or Bilbo, the magician is somewhat like Gandalf, the warrior energy is Boromir and, and Legolas and Aragorn, and the king is ultimately Elisa, Aragorn in the king form. But while they're all energies in a film, in a series based on a book, which is a, a conscious, which is based on mythology, these are energies that we that exist in our reality because we believe in them and based on that on the premise that everything is energy you can see how often we we do this don't we we can tap into any of these frequencies don't be a dwarf is you know don't be an orc is to say that <laughs> yes you know sometimes actions required and and that pride, it can get us out of our lethargy on the scale of consciousness. The very bottom is actually apathy, inaction, shame, guilt. And when we start to do things we were achieved, we start rising the scale. The difficulty is, in, is, is when we've achieved a lot of things, and then we have an awakening. And like, so we have this sense of expanded consciousness. But to integrate that into a reality where we were always living around the, the level of courage and achievement, pride, it's like we, we feel completely disconnected and almost drop back to the bottom of the scale. And we feel disconnected to our environment. And so we can be in that shame frequency. So even though we, we can be both, for me, it's a little bit like Carlos Castaneda talks about this with his apprenticeship with Don Juan, where the assemblage point, the point of perception, which is an energetic part of the, the body, energetic body, that affects the perception of reality. When they have this glimpse of high conscious awareness, the assemblage point doesn't fix on a permanent spot until it's fully integrated, accepted, and awareness is brought into that reality. And the problem seems to be, you know, I saw this a lot around Byron Bay when I was up there last year and earlier this year, there's these spaces and environments where people have access to a lot of higher conscious awareness. They've had these awakening experiences. They're hard-oriented. But the way society tends to view these people, or they perhaps view themselves, is probably the better terminology or, or example, before they've had these awakening experiences, they're unusual. They were outside the norm. They're outcasts. They're like Frodo. They're, they've now become very hard-oriented. So they can either live in a hobbit hole, away from everybody, or they become like a magician, like a Gandalf. But I don't think that's the sole example, and I don't think the ability for us to live out inspired passion is about us remaining mystics and yogis and 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 that frequency of, of lack. And I'm not saying Frodo or Gandalf are in lack, but ultimately, one that has to come to terms with their shadow has it accepted perhaps the shame stories of, of when they've developed this level of awareness and they've had this awakening experience of then boom, they can perhaps more clearly see how they've created certain situations in their reality. Shame is brought forward, that orc frequency is brought forward. Actuality, because it's not just in a pride frequency, the pride's been dissolved and it's almost yo-yo down. 
But this is the point, isn't it? And it's kind of like you're then at that point where you're moving on a cyclical rather than linear basis. The fool is often compared to the child. So the child is very hard oriented, tends to manifest very easily. The warrior is normally like a young adult, a uh, adolescent. The king queen energy is usually an adult who started to embody their business. And the magician can be related to the herb, like a hermit, a wise person, an older person. But they're linear basis and they don't necessarily fit in purely or completely with, for example, spiritual awakening. Because you could still have a magician who's very childlike and you could have people, adults, who are very much in the warrior frequency. And I think that's the point. There's a lot of people in our reality still in that fine frequency. But what I wanted to share and suggest is that the spiritual awakening, no matter how old you are, it tends to, even though you might think Frodo is like the child, when you have the awakening, you've defaulted back to the Frodo. You're the fool. You've recaptured that inner child. And so then the journey begins again, the play begins again. And to fully integrate that into the power of the magician, you've got to have to transcend the limited thought patterns, beliefs, stories of competition and lack. But the ability for it to be fully integrated is also in the recognition. The Throto is already full at the beginning of his journey. And while he will manifest shadows, the shadow king, the Nazgul, to terrorize him on his journey, there'll be example situations that keep wanting to pull him out of heart into duality. Ultimately, in allowing the magician frequency that he's also a part of him, that Gandalf is also a part of Frodo, as is Aragorn, as is Legolas. It's all these part of our frequency, our one perspective of self. You know, everybody's you pushed out. That's where conscious change happens. It happens through accepting that there's nothing missing now. Thanks again for being a part of this. Bye for now.